What's up, world? I'm Matt Newberg from Hungary, and this is The Feed. Each episode, we'll dive into conversations with the industry insiders who are leveraging technology to shape the way we eat. On today's episode of The Feed, the Hungry Trends community sat down with Allset founder and CEO Stas Matvayenko. Allset is a pickup-only restaurant marketplace that prides itself on charging the lowest commissions in the industry. In this conversation, we chat about topics like Grubhub's entree into QR ordering, the DoorDash IPO, and the huge growth in pickup caused by the pandemic. I'm here today with Stas Matvienko, the CEO and founder of Allset. Really excited to be here right now with, with Stas. Welcome aboard. Thank you very much. Happy to be here and really appreciate your invitation. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of exciting stuff that's been going on. You've been a, kind of at the forefront of this for a while. Just kind of want to take it to a personal level. I'm just curious about your story of were you born in Ukraine and you came here? At what point did you move here and your entrepreneurial journey that got us to all set today? Yeah. So I was born in Ukraine in a small city and uh, I went to a military school. And then from that to university that I decided it's a crap thing to do, to <laughs> learn from books. I, I, I'm a super practical person. I just then created a new company. First company that were in a space of recommendations, kind of referral program that's network marketing. It was before even apps were available for on iPhones. So we were doing signups through text messages using number, phone of numbers. And then from that, we saw that it works really well with restaurants. So then we mm-hmm. built mobile loyalty program, which we were able to convert into pre-ordering system that we figured out. This is a huge opportunity that in US, everybody's around delivery, but nobody about pickup or pre-orders for dining. Then we start set to focus on dining and then we get all set and then we got pickup. But Overall, yeah, I've been always CEO and never worked for somebody. Very, very cool. Can you talk to us about like when you started All Set, the problem you were trying to solve, and for the people at home who, who aren't necessarily familiar, what the one to two sentence value proposition is? Yeah, so we started in US back in 2015, and uh, we started only with dining feature. We didn't have pickup, and our goal was to help busy diners to get their lunches at restaurants with tables fast so they can come by, get their food on the table, eat, live in there when they are ready. Usually those lunches were taken at around like 15 minutes. You just spend time on eating and that's it. But now we are more about not just dining, pick up, we're trying to be a universal kind of super flexible platform that helps restaurants to serve customers online with almost free fees and to be more safe on another side because we are now in a different world. But yeah, overall, we have over than eight years in the uh, restaurant tech space. This is our third company. We played around with others like POSs, mobile loyalty programs, and a bunch of other stuff. I even used to own a bar. I think this is my industry and I like it a lot. Well, before we dive in, can you just talk about the markets that you're currently in and the hyper-local aspect that you were just talking about before we started? Yeah, definitely. So we are right now a nationwide company. However, we're currently focusing in the busiest areas where we have most of the customers, most of the restaurants concentrated within small areas. 
And this is where we're trying to put most of our efforts within those territories. But if we talk about cities, the biggest cities where we are at right now are New York. This is our biggest beast. And by the way, after COVID, uh, Manhattan uh, became less popular than Brooklyn, New Jersey. They've grown a lot. Then we have LA, San Francisco Bay Area, Seattle, Houston, Chicago, and Miami. Basically, we are live within all the biggest cities in US, but whoever is interested in working with us in, let's say, Kentucky or any other state or city, we're happy to get them on the platform. We just can't promise huge amount of orders coming from the marketplace. However, if you want to use us as just a solution for a guest to order online, on the spot, pre-order, curbside, pickup, whatever, you name it, we have that, but you will need to promote us to your diners. However, we're not going to charge any fees for that. So we don't charge money from your customers. Right. And that's one of the things I think that makes you guys so unique. And and it's one of the things that we'll definitely dive into throughout the conversation. I guess I want to start off. First question is kind of around pre-COVID, you know, industry-wide, what was a typical restaurant doing online pickup orders versus now? First of all, we all know that before COVID, if you get in 20% online orders, that's good. That means you are pretty successful with platforms. I would maybe up to 30% maximum. Uh, mostly that were was delivery orders. Pickup, like people didn't see any value in pickup before COVID because they just can arrive, order, and uh, that's it. So before COVID, people were mostly using Allset to order ahead for dining or pickup. Dining orders were around kind of uh, 50%. We were like 50-50 dining slash pickup. And then after COVID started, uh, dining kind of came down to maybe one up to 5% whenever it were allowed, but mostly it was prohibited. So pickup made its way out to the masses. People not using pickup right now to save time. People using it to get more safer experience in most cases. In other cases, restaurants just don't have any other options than online ordering. You have to order online to get your order ready. We also see a lot of new interesting trends. First of them, it's a contactless ordering. So you can imagine that online orders moved from 20 to 30% from a restaurant to almost 90 plus percent per restaurant, sometimes even 100%, like they're only working with online orders. And I guarantee you that this gap between 20% and 90% has to be covered not just by delivery, right? There should be something else and not just pick up. Because still there, there's a huge amount of people that used to come to restaurants and now they don't have that. However, they still want to come by to a restaurant and uh, they don't want to order in advance because they still don't even sure where they got to go. They just want to walk around, see what they have there and see which one they like. Interesting. So this huge gap is covered by... A uh, new market. There's a new market basically appeared that I call contactless ordering, where restaurants have special options uh, with QR codes nearby the entrance or at the tables where you can order online on the spot. So you can scan the code, you see what the restaurant is offering, uh, choose what you like, pay through that 
service, then the app or the service will tell you when your order will be ready and you just pick it up. So this is a huge new market. We didn't have that before. Imagine before COVID, if you see QR code at the restaurant, you're like, why do I need to scan it? Hey, can you please help me? Remember that? So right now we don't have that. I see that this new market has to be taken by somebody. There are a lot of players that are targeting this market. However, delivery companies, they're trying to get into that, but they can't due to a few factors there. First is that their focus is delivery and they are mostly logistic companies. The whole experience in the app and the website is created for people who are looking for delivery. And they also, they don't prefer working with items like coffee, uh, juices, smoothies, some liquids that are bad in transportation. That's why if, for example, you see Grubhub QR code at the restaurant, you scan that QR code. First, it says, choose the address where you want to get a delivery. Like, <laughs> I'm here, I just want to get a pickup. Second is, what if I want coffee? They don't have coffee on their menus. Right. And a third thing, really important, the prices on the menu for delivery companies usually raised. So you will not see the same prices that you have at the restaurant. That's why it will be really tough for them to get into that market. However, other companies that have been focusing on pickup and have the same pricing, have all the menu on the platform, can easily tap into that market. And this is what we are doing. Another mm-hmm. thing that appeared and that you mentioned a lot is uh, curbside pickup. Right. I think this is your favorite topic that you like discussing. Yes. What's going on with Carbside? I think Carbside is really special for LA and other cities where people usually drive somewhere. We didn't see how we can make it at the beginning because all the services that appeared and started offering Carbside pickup, they were super clunky and uh, not super thoughtful on how it's going to be in real life. Some of them were like saying, okay, so in order to do curbside, it's a special menu item. You need to mention the information of the plate number of your car, and you need to put uh, their model, make, and color. I was like, okay, I don't even know my plate number. And then where should <laughs> I arrive? Okay, if you arrive nearby the restaurant, usually there is no spot, parking spot right nearby the restaurant, or they usually they don't have a dedicated parking area because we're talking about QSRs. We're not talking about fine dining. Right. So at the beginning, that was super, there's some product managers created something for what they thought may be useful, and then others copied that. However, in real life, it doesn't work. So then we put our hands on curbside pickup as well, and we started... Uh, making it super easy and obvious for a restaurant and for the customer. So how we do that, we're just asking customer to put the model and the color of the car. And then each of our restaurants, when you choose curbside option, if they have some extra, let's say, descriptions, where is the dedicated parking spot should be, uh, then we put in this information there. So when you're ordering curbside pickup, you will have the information where you need to park your car, whether it's curbside nearby the entrance or this is a parking spot on the back of the restaurant or there's a specific street. There are a bunch of kind of, there are a lot of hidden stones there. And um, yeah, so far it's still technically wise, it works well. However, some restaurants may have some uh, issues with that in terms of like, okay, I'm busy, but I also have to get somewhere with the food and, and bring it to uh, some car. And um, yeah, so I think we still need some time uh, in the markets to polish that feature. However, we are on the way. 
So a restaurant was to do the, you know, curbside through DoorDash or Uber Eats or another one of these marketplaces. What would they be normally paying to them for a pickup order pre-COVID and what would they be paying during COVID? So I know the numbers have changed a bit. And how are you able to offer it at such a low cost? So there were interesting times before COVID uh, when delivery companies were dictating terms and they were taking same percentage for delivery, same percentage for pickup. That was wow. crazy, like 30%. And then when companies like Allset Retail appeared that say, we only pick up and our commission's much lower, then other uh, big companies started also dividing pricing for pickup and delivery. So pre-COVID, uh, their first pricing was around 15%. Sometimes they were able to go down to 10%, depends on the restaurant, but usually it was even 15, 20% or pickup, depends on how they agree with the restaurant. But then I believe average were like 15% for pickup order. Then as soon as COVID started, everybody dropped fees right away, just let's do one month, two months free. We're just here to make a free PR. Let's do it. And <laughs> Little did it. they know that we would be still here in December. They <laughs> that was weird to see how they were bringing fees back step by step. And then they definitely lowered them to right now, average within COVID for pickup is around 10%. Still uh, bad. If you still, if you do the commission-based, there are also companies like Chow Now that have subscription-based. However, there's a like sign-up fees. It's a $400 just to sign up. Then monthly fees around 50, 60 bucks, something like that every month. Doesn't matter how many orders you get. This is what you pay. But with Chow Now, you usually don't get access to customers that go into Chow Now to look to discover restaurants. Right. Usually they go to your website or they go to your anywhere they find information about your restaurant first. And right. then they see that channel is the way how to order. So that's why it makes sense for them. But I would not pay for that for sure. But then if you want to get access to customers that platform can offer you, like as customers that you wouldn't get access before, not your customers that already ready to use any platform you have. They just want to get your pocket because they're big fans of that. Then it, there are companies like Allset and Ritual that can give you access to people who work slash live nearby your restaurant. But still they don't know about you or they're just looking for Pocky and they didn't think about your restaurant name that they chose Pocky and then your restaurant popped up and that's how you got the customers on the platform and we're charging right now as all said we're starting from 10 percent depends on the district if this is really popular district from us and we can guarantee some good volume then we start our communication from 10 percent only for customers that we bring to you so if you put all set on your website if you promote us offline anywhere to your customers, then those customers are going to be absolutely free for you. So if you mix mm -hmm. those 10% for customers that you didn't have before and zero for your existing customers, at the end, you get in around 5% overall. So I average. see. Got it. And so as far as how do you go about attributing those sales to my own customers and drawing that line between what is someone that you referred versus someone that's already coming into my store? Mm -hmm. So we provide you a special link, special code to your restaurant. If you put those QR codes at the restaurant and when the customer scan the QR code, mm -hmm. we connect that customer to your restaurant right away. And then in your dashboard, you will be able to see that there is one customer added to your customers. And then whenever this customer makes an order at your restaurant, doesn't matter, ahead of time from all set from your website, it's going to be free for a lifetime. 
and you can track how many orders they made, how much commission you save wow. on your customers. It's like you can track this. It's all transparent. And then you can place this uh, button on your website. Again, it's going to be free. You can place another sticker on your table, stand nearby the entrance. You can do even ads with that link anywhere the customers will follow. And then this is going to be your customer. We're not going to charge any fees from that. And then customers that come in from our platform, that's customers that open the Allset app. There, they has to be registered uh, customer from Allset. Their first order is been done already at a different restaurant. And then when they see your restaurant and they ordering at your restaurant, we count that customer as a customer from the platform, not from mm-hmm. the restaurant. And that's how we make money. But what, okay, so what if I'm a regular at multiple restaurants that are on all set and I go on to order directly from restaurant A, but then I also go on to order directly from restaurant B. Does restaurant B get charged even though I, my first order was from restaurant A? Is that it? Am I just belong to restaurant A as a customer? So this is a good question. And this is the thing that we're trying to work out to be more fair between restaurant A and restaurant B. However, right now, whoever attracted the customer considers the owner of the customer for us right now. I see. And that's only one restaurant. Yeah. So you are commission free only for one restaurant. But for example, if you are also a low customer to restaurant number B restaurant, we also super transparent how much we charge restaurants and consumers can see that. For example, if you make an order, then on checkout, you will see how much money we're going to charge with, say, your favorite restaurant. Mm-hmm. If you think it's unfair, you don't like it, then you can uh, just not use that and uh, just go directly to a restaurant, call them. You can do it everything from the app as well. Got it. And do you share the data with, you know, so one of the big pushbacks on third-party apps, and I'm going to single out DoorDash because, you know, it's very relevant right now, and I want to get into DoorDash in a second. But uh, the pushback is that, not only do they charge these high fees, but they're stealing the customer data away. So I can't remarket to them. I don't own their email address. I don't even know their name in many cases. It's mm-hmm. obfuscating my last name with an initial. So what do you guys provide for the customers that are coming in directly from the website of a restaurant? Uh, are you sharing that data with the restaurant? And how does that vary versus the marketplace customer? So there are a few things here. First, overall, just generally on the topic. We offering data for restaurants on customers that place at least one order at their restaurant. It's name, email, and the phone number. However, it may vary. For example, uh, right now, they passed a, a new law recently where we can't do it or we need to update our terms of use. So if a customer updated our new terms of use, then that customer will appear at the restaurant. If not, we can't do it by the law. But overall, we kind of allowing this feature and everybody can download the Excel uh, on each order and the information of the customer who made it. It's going to be just first name and first letter uh, of the last name. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a cell number and email of the customer if they uh, accepted updated terms of use. It's kind of, right. it's weird, you know, it's decided. <laughs> the government right. also controls that. So we, want, we don't want to be in the danger of lost youth here and we've already been there. So we try to be super careful here. Whatever government allows us to do, we have to offer that to Russia. Right. So it's, it's interesting because it sounds like the government is trying to, on the one hand, protect consumers with data privacy, 
but there's also in, in, in protecting consumers with data privacy law, they're also maybe neglecting mom and pops that would get some value out of that data. It's just interesting because you can't really solve the problem on one one side of the spectrum. There is another solution to that. So, for example, why they need this data? They need it to reach out back to those customers, maybe offering them something. Basically, the goal is to get them back. This is the most important, to right. keep in touch with them, right? So uh, what we're working on right now is where you have a marketing tool as a restaurant where you can reach out to your customers on our platform through push notifications, through emails, and keep them updated uh, with all your news events, whatever you want, without sharing data. You know, it's a kind of something where we can bypass the government restrictions. If restaurants wanted to do that, currently they would have to be on MailChimp or, or some other kind of marketing automation tool, correct? Yeah, yeah. Got it. Basically, they can do it through us. We're using other services to do it. Mm-hmm. They can do e-blast and uh, push notifications. For example, so they create a deal or they create announcement and then they put it on their dashboard as a new campaign, for example. And then we distribute this we deliver this to customer through push notifications and emails saying, hey, this is from this restaurant that you visited and uh, here's what they want to tell you. Very cool. Or they have a new deal. They have a 50% off all the base items uh, only mm-hmm. for you, for example, get back. So on the topic of you know regulation, obviously fee caps have, have kind of thrown a wrench in certain states, you know, California, uh, Washington, New Jersey, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's all sorts of legislation around what delivery companies and, and demand generating companies like yourself are able to charge restaurants for that demand. How has that changed your business model? And what do you, you know, are you obviously, I'm, I'm sure you're, <laughs> I know where you stand on this probably, but you know, what's your opinion about it? And what do you think the net impact will be as far as, um, you know, will it be positive or negative for restaurants? So definitely positive for restaurants. When delivery company put in all the restaurants on the platform that they, that they don't work directly with, I think this is a restaurant where restaurants actually lost by prohibiting delivery companies from doing that because they were getting free orders from that. So delivering delivery company uh-huh. putting in a restaurant without agreement with you, they send in you free orders, free orders. And how can you not like that? But anyway, right now they're not doing that. Uh, or some of them still doing, I'm, I'm not sure. However, right now, when government kept in some cities deliveries and uh, pickup, so they kept deliveries at, as I know, 10% and pickup is 5%. So for pickup, it's it's fine. We're just getting less fees, temporary, because we're not that big and we still depends on investments and venture capital uh, because we're in a growth mode. We see how much money we're losing, but for us, it's, doesn't have any threats to the existence of the company yet. And this also allows us to acquire much more restaurants right now. We're just going, you know, there is a cap for 5%. Let's go. We just don't need to negotiate anything. This is the lowest we can go. Let's go. And overall, if you mix it with free orders, your your average will be like maybe 3%, 2.5%. This is super small. So for, for us, it's, it's fine because we don't have the middleman that also requires some money to deliver that. And that's why we're not losing money on every order. When we have delivery guys, this significantly impacting their unit economics. So because mm-hmm. they were not profitable on every order before, and right now with that, they're even deep in minus on each order, which means they can't actively 
doing some promotions for your restaurant, let's say free delivery or whatever. Right now they can't do it. So customers now have less free delivery options. And I'm pretty sure it ends at less orders at any restaurant overall. But what they do right now, how they are bypassing this. You know how I can tell it, how they bypass it. Tell us how they're doing it. <laughs> you're going to kill me. Uh, but I'm pretty sure uh, it's what they have to do. So they limited them for delivery fees. However, they say, so delivery fees, we have 10% or 15%, whatever they kept us. However, if you want us to bring you more customers, uh, we can increase it and say that 15% is a delivery fee. And then we, on top of that, 5 or 10% is going to be marketing fee, right. which is... You don't have to pay. However, if you want more customers, you can sign up for that. Right. And that's how they're increasing commission for each order from your restaurant. And then they maybe can offer, or maybe they will feature you upper, or they can offer free delivery on your restaurant, etc. So they have options to do it. It just sounds like this is a bad thing then. Like now that we got to the end of this conversation of this question, to me, it seems like a bad thing for consumers. If they're going to be limiting the take rates of these companies, they're going to be off, willing to offer it to a, a shorter radius, less demand. Yeah, yeah, obvious. And, and having to externa- externalize these fees in other ways to the restaurant or maybe even make it more expensive to the consumer. Yeah, and, but overall, you should know that before customers were using deliveries much more often or kind of, Per, not per overall, but uh, amount of orders per customer. So before they were using it mostly to just get some food delivered, especially if there's some deal. Right now there is less deals, there is less promotions, there is less choice. However, they have to use it because there is no any other healthy, safer way to get food from restaurants. So it's kind of helping to do it. For example, for us, we, st- we feel that. Because our orders dropped significantly when COVID started, because we were focusing on busy areas that are dead right now, we had to refocus to suburban areas, which helps us to grow back. Right now, we're already at February results just right now. So we noticed that with the same amount of orders in February, and right now, we're spending much less discounts. So customers covering much more uh, from their own pockets than it was before. Got and it. the check increased as well. That means that they just changed behavior. Right now, seeing us not just the way to save time and to order something, but as their way to dine at restaurants. Right. But you're still losing that 5% that you normally would have been making on that restaurant. But I see yeah, what you're saying. It nets out to something yeah. better. Yeah, I think overall, COVID right now kind of pushing us and boosting our growth. Got it. And I thought same for deliveries and not because, so overall they got less profitable per unit. However, because they have more units right now, they can make uh, more money, but still it's tough business. Yeah. Perfect segue to the next topic, which is, you know, DoorDash, my favorite topic of the week. Uh, spent the weekend looking at the S1. I'm actually part of a club that is going to be analyzing the S1. So it should okay. be exciting. And one of the things that, you know, I, I, I look at it and there's a lot of uh, red flags in there for me personally. One of them was they cited a Cohen study that said that delivery orders were 80% incremental to the average restaurant. Wow. I looked at when that was written. It was like January of last year. <laughs> so, and, and they also said that 
the average commission on its platform, the example that they drew where you had all three sides and they showed the unit economics, they said the average commission was 18%, which I don't believe is true. But maybe it's when you look at blended across 30% or 25% delivery and 15% pickup, you somehow get to that number. But it seems really shady. So do you think this is sustainable? Do you think this is, you know, just total? they're just literally uh, deceiving us here? What's going on? So first, the average number of 18% definitely lowered because it's definitely mixed with pickup and delivery orders. Second, right. they obviously didn't add transaction fees there. Transaction fees is around 2%, right? 2.9, something like that. Not so including tax. It's not including tax. So in terms of the um, incremental question, whether they bring you incremental business or not. So I've been uh, investigating a lot of things on how uh, we can prove big chains that our orders are incremental instead of the delivery companies. And here's a few things we found out. So first, for consumer delivery, it's always about specific restaurant they want to get. Usually, you're not looking for just regular sushi or pizza or whatever. Usually, especially if we're talking about big brands, you're looking for a specific brand that you want to get delivered. And that's Mm -hmm. why I believe for them, delivery is not incremental ordering. Because yes, you don't have access to those customers, but they would order even from from your website. Even if your technology might might more clunky than DoorDash technology, still, Whatever you have on your website, they will use it because they have want to get your food delivered to their home. Whatever way is you offering there. Of course, there is some percentage of incremental orders from their platform where customers just discovering. However, I'm pretty sure for delivery, they already know, oh yeah, I want this stuff from Cheesecake, for example, my favorite thing, whatever. People discovering usually something when they are in a new area, when they went walking somewhere, etc. But when they're at home, mostly they know from which restaurant they want to order because they have access to everybody. And of course, they will choose the one they like. Already right. been there, they're their clients. So right. this is what we were trying to explain restaurants. So if you have opportunity to use your own Olo, if you can use Olo, they can provide you all the interface you can build and uh, create similar feature like white label uh, delivery for right. So another way why the DoorDash number were uh, commission were a bit smaller is because definitely some restaurants using their own delivery fleets and they charge mm-hmm. them less as well. So you're saying DoorDash Drive. Sometimes you can use DoorDash even if oh. you have your own delivery. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, sorry. On the other side, yeah. They also charge in less for that. Yeah. So then uh, this is the question about whether they are incremental or not. Yes, some right. of them are incremental, but I believe at least at least 50% is not. Right. So then when uh, we talk about pickup or contactless ordering here, we're mostly talking about people who live slash work in areas nearby your restaurant because they are much more available for you than somebody somewhere. So when you want to get to a specific restaurant, you would probably, if it is nearby, you would probably go there and see what they're offering to uh, use, which service, how to order there. You would do it, do that specifically. But if you discover it, for example, right now we see that discovery is number one feature we need to focus on, especially personalized dining. That means based on your diner profile, we will tell you which items, not restaurants, are best for your profile nearby. Mm. 
and then the customer discovering your restaurant by the item that meets his diner profile. And mm -hmm. then only they order in and see what else you have at your restaurant, and then yeah. they will go to your restaurant. So I think this is incremental. Mm. They, they would never think about your restaurant if they knew they have uh, absolutely kind of without all set offering you specific item that connecting the, the this item to their profile. Mm -hmm. They would not choose that restaurant simply. Right. And this is how we proving that our orders are incremental. Because right. even if you go to our search, we often playing with that, what's popping up on top, what people are looking for. There is never names of the restaurants. They're like super low. Like sometimes, because we have recent feature and usually they go to recent restaurants and they order in there, but they usually looking for some specific cuisine types that they want. Mm -hmm. So third parties for pickup, I consider them as incremental orders uh, personally and uh, specifically with a good filtering and good recommendation that this even increase, increases the incremental business to a restaurant. And the clients mm -hmm. that come in into your restaurant, much more valuable for you than the customers that will never, don't even know your name. And when they looking for burgers, for example, from delivery, they don't, they just want burgers and uh, it will be delivered. They will never be back to you. However, like again, you would not get access to those customers as well. So it's kind of, I would say those are two different things, but delivery companies are less incremental than pickup options. Mm -hmm. But what about the, let's just say DoorDash pickup versus Allset? What's the main difference there as far as incrementality? I can give you an example. So uh, because they were built first for delivery, we were built first for pickup. Similar comparison to you with Grubhub. So if you choose pickup and Grubhub, they don't have a map where you can see what's nearby. So you have to look through specific restaurants. You need to search specific restaurants there. Similar with DoorDash. They're a bit more advanced in that space uh, in terms of the user interface. However, still, I think the most advanced company that offers good discovery nearby is Uber Eats for pickup. But DoorDash is still kind of, I'm pretty sure they maybe will be there, but uh, because their focus is on delivery, again, they can't offer you everything we can offer you. There is no coffees. There is no juices, drinks. There is no small shops. Delivery companies don't like small shops. Like who is going to order to delivery small sandwich for five bucks? Like doesn't make any sense. So they usually not prefer working with really small restaurants. And that actually brings all the reason of pickup to nowhere. Because pickup... I think the ideal experience for me as a customer is when I open the app and they can see everything that's nearby within like mm -hmm. five to 10 minutes walk. And then I can discover yeah. what I like there nearby. Yeah. On that line, are AOVs higher for a delivery versus pickup net of the fees? In terms of the fees? No, not looking at the fees, like excluding fees, AOVs. Just, uh, every sort of value. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so of course, usually people ordering delivery for dinner time, uh, for a weekend. This is their kind of peak times. And usually it's for group dining. So yeah, their average check is much higher than our check, where our diners mostly looking for some solo dining, breakfast, lunch right. more often. But right now we see more dinners as well, but mostly these are solo dining. Got it. 
Very interesting. So let's talk a little bit. Of, I mean, so one of the things that DoorDash said in the S1 is that they want to build this kind of bridge between the physical and the virtual landscape of, uh, and that they want to build this loyalty program that spans both. This is the gap. This is the gap that I was telling you that they want to tap into. Right. That create that industry created kind of this right. new market where people who want to go as usual to a restaurant, but it has to be online ordering. Right. And it's not going to be delivery. It's not going to be, um, it may be order ahead, but it's still a bit different, right? You want to be more attached to a specific restaurant. This is what also we uh, right. build in here. And for what kind of, uh, we have, you can choose your favorite restaurants, restaurant restaurants, um, your restaurant items at that restaurant, your recommended items at that restaurant. And yes, loyalty for that specific restaurant is something that we're also working on. But right now, we give everybody $2 off their every order mm-hmm. at any restaurant. But this is just to see how it helps and whether that helps them to, to go to a specific restaurant. But yes, I think restaurants should motivate customers to go more to their restaurant. For example, there is even a thing that we see opportunity in subscription, per, not for the whole so a subscription for one standalone restaurant, for example, you can offer a subscription to a client. So if you subscribe and pay, let's say, $10 a month to my restaurant, let's say, right, then I will be able to give you better offers to all menu within my restaurant because uh, first, you're kind of every month paying me something. And second, we already connected that you will do most of your orders at my restaurant because you chose to be subscribed to my restaurant and maybe you will get access to some VIP items that nobody else has access to. That's interesting. So this is like building Dash Pass, but at an individual restaurant yeah. level. Uh, each restaurant, I believe, uh, should be able to do that and uh, something that we can do within our platform and already uh, discussing based uh, on how to execute that. First is uh, food recommendations, discovering mm. restaurants by items, not by restaurant right. names. This is what we're finishing right now. And we're great that I'm going to show you that first. And then after that, we're going to tap into the world. Yeah. yeah, that'd be awesome. Can you paint a picture of what that looks like as far as my profile and what the, you know, what, how I would be surfaced a recommendation? Would I say I'm on a keto diet or I have specific health goals or how, how personalized are we talking here? And because this is something that I've been going pretty deep into, um, and I've yet to really see it fully play out in restaurant space, but in, it's this concept of personalized nutrition. I'm just curious yeah. how you're viewing so this. We, have, we actually hired a team of uh, nutritionists and diet wow. specialists a year ago. We got them oh, a year wow. ago. It's been already a tough work for a whole year. We had to tag every item, every add-on, uh, what's inside, even uh, trying to do calories right now. So depends on your goals. But first, you choose who you are, whether you're vegan, not vegan, if you have any allergies, any type of uh, general diner preferences you have or something that you want to avoid. Then what? You, what's your goals? You want to gain weight, you want to lose weight, you want to dine more healthy, then based on these things, we will offer you your personal discovery board at the app by dishes that we think are going to work best for you nearby. Hmm. Uh, and then if, we, if you go to any specific restaurant, you will have a special category that is for you only hmm. from whatever they have. It's like my own menu. Yeah, your own menu. And then uh, if we dig deeper here, then we go to a restaurant and say, hey, in this area, we have a bunch of pro customers with a profile that needs 
these kind of items. If you add them, then uh, we'll be able to offer better things to those customers in that district and you will be able to increase your sales. This is some analytic tools that we're also working on for restaurants. Yeah. So, so you would go to a restaurant and say, hey, you know, we noticed that there's this percentage of this like cohort of whole 30 customers that if you make this kind of a bowl that has these kinds of uh, proteins and vegetables for these customers that are following this diet, we can estimate we would get you reach of these items. We will even reach out to them with a push notification saying, hey, here's a new item that is good for you nearby. Wow. Uh, because we want customers to also uh, be aware of uh, what's new around for them. And uh, yeah, those we already do it, uh, uh, doing that with healthy category. So when the restaurants add in uh, healthy items and we always recommend them to have healthy items and we are pro-healthy platform because we want to change the world, people choose what to eat. First, we know busy people don't have time on scrolling through their menu and figuring out what's good for them. It's really taking a lot of time. So usually ending up at taking something, burger, whatever, just quickly, or some salad, they don't know what's in. But uh, by having at least healthy category in each restaurant, this is what we already have right now, you can go specifically onto the category that our diet specialists collected from the whole menu they have that we think is healthy here. And uh, when restaurant doesn't have that, we motivate them to do that mm-hmm. in order to create increase amount of orders from customers in the area. So, so do the nutritionists work with the restaurants or they're purely, uh, the restaurants are tagging the nutritional value? How does this all play out? So we have every dish has its name. For example, tikka masala from an Indian restaurant. Right. Average tikka masala has inside this, 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 and this. And we have this already structured for most of the dishes we have on the platform. Uh, so it's easy when you add in a new, uh, a new dish to our menu, you already see, okay, tikka masala, average tikka masala includes this, this, this. And if your tikka masala is different, make sure you add in this. Mm. So we have, mm-hmm. When we order a restaurant and we see from their menu that this is not average tikka masala, then our data managers actually add in this to their specific tikka masala based on okay. the they have. But also, we change in descriptions because, for example, Italian or Indian restaurants have Italian and Indian descriptions with mm-hmm. uh, Indian items that we don't know what they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we try to translate it to English or, the, or to make sure they understand mm-hmm. what, what that vegetable is so they know what's inside. So what's the role of the nutritionist? If, if, if uh, the tagging is automated, the nutritionist is trying to form insights on what defines the health of the Yeah, so then, uh, for example, first they helped us to tag correctly all items, mm-hmm. how to divide them, whether this is healthy or this is not healthy. Okay. Why we think sushi, uh, this sushi is healthy and this sushi is not healthy. It's kind of okay. uh, what, what they did then. Next step in terms of the goals. So they, we have customers who say, I want to lose weight. And then mm-hmm. in order to lose weight, they need to create a specific tags that will meet that goal for mm-hmm. both customers, for example. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So I just want to dive into the audience real quick. We got Richard Wu. Uh, what's up, Richard? Thanks for, for joining us. Um, Richard says, hey, Stas, awesome that you're doing restaurant discovery by item. I actually spent two years trying to hack dish-based discovery with a startup that went through Y Combinator, failed, unfortunately, during COVID. But our biggest future problem was Google. We feared that they would capture all the restaurant discovery, even at the item level. How do you anticipate fighting with whales like Google for the top of the funnel? It's a very good question, I think. 
Correct. So just for me to understand it more, uh, you you think Google will steal this data and will promote it, will use it in terms of the offering to their customers, right? I think well, I don't think it's about stealing. I think I'm just trying to anticipate, trying to interpret his question. You know, Google has integrations with every major yeah, we, ordering we platform, yeah. right, including yours. So the question is, how do they kind of circumvent some of the stuff that you do? So they can definitely do it, but I'm pretty sure it's not their focus. So we have first layer, we have a few layers of data. So first layer that we make public is just a menus the same as the restaurant has. They can get it from restaurant or from any other platform. And then we have a second layer that we don't share. It's only within the company, which allows us to connect that dish with that customer. It's not public. So we'll tell you, you'll, uh, this item is something we think going to fit your diet best. But it's only you will be able to see why. It's not publicly. It's private for each kind of connection right. between customer and dish. Right. Yeah, I mean, no one, Google, Google's not able to, I mean, I guess Google could yeah, build its own health profile. API. It's only within the, yeah. within the platform, within the platform. The public yeah. API only has the, the, the first layer, uh, layer, which says only subject and description of the item. That is, uh, yeah. Everybody can get. Yeah, we may, we may have a page that says, this is healthy, whatever, but Google don't know why we decided this healthy, and I'm not sure why they should use it because they don't know uh, what uh, is behind. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But if they want it, they can use it. Uh, I'm happy we're working with them. We actually have healthy categories right now publicly available, so they can go uh, and do it. But uh, what's the reason? Everybody, I, I believe if you have your focus on that and you're pushing a lot on that focus, then uh, it's really hard for somebody else to quickly gain those 10 years of experience that you gain. All right, well, this has been really interesting, very timely with all the crazy activity going on in the space. The next year is set as far as who are the major players now that Uber's finally finished acquiring Postmates. We have DoorDash going public, Grubhub you know, closed its you know, the acquisition. It's, it's full of opportunities. The bigger they become, uh, the more opportunities they leave out for others. Right. Because the market became so huge, it's massive. I think we are at the stage where a new Uber company is going to be born within this COVID, especially in the restaurant industry. Even those ghost kitchens, I, I think it's not a big thing. But yeah, there are a lot of sites where you can toggle that because everybody right now on the phones ordering food. Before, it wasn't like that. Right. So that was the biggest barrier we had before on how to make a customer to download the app and register. Right now, they have to do it. Right. That story. So why, why just real quickly, why, why are you bearish on ghost kitchens? Because they're doing a lot of logistic parts, and uh, most of them are people from logistic businesses. And for me, it's a different complicated story that I don't want to tap into, and I want to focus more on more right. efficient ways by connecting directly customers and restaurants and making that experience as seamless as possible. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're curious to get a firsthand look at the cutting edge of food and tech, check out Hungry.tv. That's Hungry with No You, where you can join in on live conversations like these or sign up for the free weekly newsletter.